What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. It is Dog Talk with your host, Holton. Glad to have you guys here as we get started with another episode here. We got a big one, big one on tab. Georgia and Auburn facing off this weekend in a game that ended up being much tighter than most anticipated, especially with the way that the teams had really been playing uh, in weeks past. And this is the episode. We're, we're breaking it all down. We're going to review it. We're going to look at uh, what we think should have been, what in the world happened, what didn't happen, what we need to worry about in the future what we don't need to worry about in the future we got a lot to talk about here as we get things going glad to have you guys here like i said if you guys are following along on youtube make sure you hit that like button leave us a comment i greatly appreciate it but let's get right into it dogs win this one 27 to 20 wasn't the prettiest win wasn't the most exciting win was it an exciting game absolutely much much more exciting than i think most of us like i said anticipated but in the end Great game. Great game overall. Uh, Georgia battled a, a lot of adversity uh, in this game. And it's kind of funny looking back last year how Georgia did the same exact thing pretty much in the same week. I think it was week five as well against Missouri last year. On the road, rough atmosphere, had to find a way to get it done and did. Um, and, and Georgia did the same thing this week. Now, AP poll came out already. Georgia's still at the top spot, not only in the coaches' poll, but also in the AP poll. I think the only reason that is is because uh, teams know, first of all, when you go and play in the SEC and you're playing against tough opponents, at their house is the biggest part of that. And I think everybody knows what Jordan Hare, Jordan Hare has been over the years. Now, does that matter as far as the team who you're playing against? Sometimes I think it does. Sometimes I think it doesn't because Auburn did not look like they had any life last week against Texas A&M, but all of a sudden they did against the number one team in the country. I think two things kind of play into part. One is obviously you're, you've got that home field advantage, but two is after losing the way that they did to Texas A&M last week, what do you have to lose in this game? You have nothing but stuff to gain by beating the number one team in the country as they come to your house. I mean, that is a huge gain for Auburn if they could do that. And they almost did. They had the great, they had the greatest game plan in place to do it uh, because South Carolina had Georgia on the ropes a couple of weeks ago, but Georgia came out in that third quarter absolutely firing on all cylinders and and came back and really took over that game. Same thing kind of playing in UAB a couple of weeks, or really last week. You know, that was a closer game at the half than we really anticipated, but Georgia really took off and kind of handled things easily for the rest of the game. And this, it wasn't really that way. Georgia uh, uh, really getting handled in the first quarter, uh, first half. You know, it comes out tied. And then we start to take off later as the game goes. Uh, but it was still back and forth. You know, Georgia, I think, had a couple of lead changes in this one where Georgia was not really ahead uh, most of this football game. Most of this game was either tied or Auburn in the lead of it. Um, and Georgia prevails in the end. And we're going to get we're going to get to all of those things that we had. Um, kind of some injury updates. First thing jumping into things here uh, was we did want to talk about this. Uh, Kendall Milton didn't see him. Broderick Robinson didn't see him. Amarius Mims, I typed it in here and it, it autocorrected Americas. I just thought that was kind of funny. Anyways, we, we know that he's supposed to be out, I think, at a minimum of like four weeks. Marvin Jones Jr. still out. But a couple of guys that did come back that I was really excited to see and surprised to see as much as we saw from uh, from at least one of them. Uh, and that that's J Javon Bullard coming back, having him in this game. He, he made a difference in the game uh, coming back off of this injury. Ten tackles, nine solo, two uh, pass deflections. And the thing about it is he was second on the team in tackles in this, and especially for nine of them to be solo. Um, we'll kind of talk about some of that in the keys coming up. But him coming off of injury back the way that he did right here, huge. Lab McConkey came back. We said that we probably wouldn't end up seeing him as much as, as, as 
really he ended up being on the field because I think Ladd played a much bigger part in this game than I anticipated him playing. I expected him to come in maybe a handful of times, you know, just kind of weaning his way back in. Ladd was in there a good bit. I mean, he, he ends up with four receptions, 38 yards, uh, but he was, in, he was in there a lot more than just that. And I think not only did he help Georgia to win this game, but he had eyes that still came his direction because Lab was one of our – really, he was our top returning receiver from last season, uh, at, at least in a wideouts perspective. Now, then there's Brock Bowers, and we're, we're going to talk about him coming up here in a minute, but this is just kind of coming off of a couple of guys having injuries. It was good to see Lad back. Man, it was, it, it's exciting to see 84 back on the field. Seeing him warm up, he looked really good. But in the weeks past, we had seen Javon do the same thing, and Javon didn't go. Matter of fact, he was out for another two weeks. We didn't see him against uh, UAB after that either. So it was kind of one of those, all right, well, are we going to see him? And we did. And, and again, when he got on the field, I think eyes were turned his way. He took attention his direction, rightfully so. Again, he's a great wideout, and having him back on the field is a threat to defenses. So glad to see both of these guys back and it's it's funny those both of these guys being on two different sides of the ball so defensively you had to prepare for the guy offensively you had to prepare for the guy so good to see these guys back at least hoping we get some more of these guys who have been beat up and banged up back in the weeks to come and i think we will i think uh i think georgia will start to get healthy um and that's a good thing you know we're, we're reaching that midway point which is just unbelievable right now i mean five and oh great great for the dogs uh, but but we're almost at halfway point. You know, we got another week, and we'll be played six games, and we'll be at the halfway point. Um, and that halfway point, by the way, has a huge matchup coming up this weekend, which we're going to talk about at the end of this. So let's kind of get into talking about some of this game in this Georgia-Auburn uh, review. Big game. Was exciting. 27-20 to 20 is the final. What I want to do first is I just want to kind of run through not the keys to the game, but some of the stuff that I was talking about before we played Auburn in this game before we ever even got to the keys and then we're going to really dive deep into it first thing i said on this is we have got to hold on to the ball got to hold on to the ball because we cannot turn it over like we did against uab and georgia did georgia had two turnovers in this game one was really i consider to be brock bauer's first true interception of the season and some of it was just uh the defender for auburn absolutely ripped the ball out of marcus rosemey jack saint's hand really it wasn't even in his hands it was just a good interception he made a great play on the ball uh he read uh, uh carson's eyes really well came in and took the ball away and it was a great interception and then we come right out of the half expecting to get the ball back we kind of hoped we'd get the ball back before the half drive down and score that didn't happen uh so coming out of the half at least getting the ball back and being tied you know georgia's expectation is to drive down the field and oscar delt gets a gets a little slant cross across the middle ends up getting hit and fumbles the ball to start the third quarter um two turnovers right there and you know we we look at it in the turnover ratio it was two to one is what it ended up being georgia had two they had one and that last turnover, or the only turnover Auburn actually had, was the end of the game, um, which could matter. I mean, you know, if they don't turn it down over there, maybe they have another chance and, and, and they could drive down and, and score. I don't know. You know, that was – I think it was a fourth down. It's kind of hard for me to remember exactly what the play was, but regardless, I think it was fourth down. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Can't turn the ball over. That was the first thing we talked about, and we did. We threw an interception. And then we also turned around and and fumbled it coming out second half, start of the second half in a tie football game. One of the other stuff, some of the other stuff, excuse me, we talked about. Auburn's offense looked ab- absolutely abysmal against Texas A&M. Couldn't really get in the red zone. Couldn't score in the red zone at all against Texas A&M last week. And, and they did just fine against Georgia's defense this week. 
one other thing, and then we'll start to get get into this. I want to see Georgia be able to run the ball effectively in this game. Eh, didn't really happen. Again, we're not we're not talking about the keys to the game yet, but that didn't really happen. Um, the thing that I want to talk about is 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 the fact that Auburn really was doing very well at scoring against Georgia's defense. And this has been something, you know, I kind of see it every week now. It's like, man, this offense is starting slow, man. Georgia's offense just just really isn't getting things going. And and some of that is true. I'm working on doing some kind of like looking at the percentages and, and the differences in time of possession for Georgia in comparison to others. Some of what I've looked at just so far, like first half possession, Georgia's like 27th in the country. But then the second half time of possession percentage in comparison to their team that they're playing is not that far off from it either. Uh, and then by the end of the game, most of it ends up even and out, which I think a lot of that is also because Georgia generally over the last three to four minutes of the game, if they've got the ball, they're going to do everything they can to milk the clock. So the time of possession may be really angled towards the team that they're playing. But by the end of the game, Georgia's really waxing that out because if you think about it in this front, Georgia got the ball back at the end of the game yesterday, I think with just over a minute and a half to play. You know, So there's a minute and a half of clock that they just ran just to end the game. Um, but I think that there's something to be said about that. Georgia's not getting possessions in the first half like I think people think that they are, especially the first quarter. That's the big, that's the big number that I'm going to look up here over the next week. And when we go to preview of the Kentucky game coming up at the end of the week, I'm hoping that I'll have all that out to you guys by then. But – that's one thing I want to look at because Georgia's not getting very many possessions in the first quarter and the first half not really getting nearly as many possessions in the second half either, with exception to the really explosive second quarter uh, that Georgia had earlier in the season. But most of it is the second half that Georgia starts to come alive. You know, Georgia scores 17 points in the second half of this one, holding Auburn to uh, just, what, 10? So didn't hold them off the board like we've done other teams in the second half, being able to slow them scoring at least. Uh, but didn't, still outscored the opponent in the second half, which has become a big part. But I kind of want to look at the time of possession as well as, uh, you know, how many just how many reps, just how many possessions are, are – are, I, I keep losing the word that I'm thinking of, not possessions, but how many times did Georgia have the opportunity to drive down the field? In the first quarter, Georgia does not have that very much. Uh, and in the second quarter, Georgia has it more, yes, but we're not turning it into points like we're used to. Some of this, I started to wonder, okay, well, is this a third down issue? Is Georgia just not getting off the field on third down? Is, are we keeping the opponent or allowing them to stay on the field more? And in this game, that answer is no. Georgia, fairly effective. I mean, we're 50% on third down in the first half. We held Auburn 0 for 6, 0 and 6 in, in third down conversions in the entire first half. So, I started to look, okay, well, is this a defensive issue? You know, we're allowing the teams to score more, it seems like, in this so far through the season. Um, but we're getting off the field on third down. The problem is, though, maybe we're not getting to third down as much. But when I look right there, okay, we're three for six. They're 0 for six. We both had six six opportunities to get a first down on third down. We did it 50% of the time, and they didn't at all. But yet it was still a 10-10 to 10 game uh, at the half. So some of that I do credit to Georgia that first quarter. You know, first quarter, Auburn takes off to a pretty good lead there, uh, and, and Georgia did not look very good in the first quarter. But again, we're not getting the ball a lot, and we're not having a lot of time with the ball either. But then also in that first half when you throw an interception – and you give the other team another possession to be able to drive down and score. And Auburn took advantage of that. Every time Georgia had a turnover in this game, Georgia – or excuse me, Auburn did a very good job of actually taking that 
and running down the field with it um, and getting points out of it. That was probably one of the biggest parts of it that I was like, all right, this is something we need to pay attention to as well because if you're making turnovers, you got to be able to stop that team from scoring off of them, and we could not do that in this game. Offensively, Georgia, 421 total yards in this game. We had one, t- one, one touchdown through the air, one or two of them, excuse me, on the ground. We only rushed in this game 107 yards, but passed the ball for 313 yards with two turnovers total, like we talked about in this game. But that was the big number. I wanted to see us run the ball a little bit more effectively uh, than we did in this game, and we only rushed it for 107 total yards. Now, we threw it for 313, but let me look at these breakdowns for you. First half in comparison to second half. First half of this game, Carson Beck goes 7 for 13, 77 yards with the one interception. So-so, not very great, right? Just over that 50% mark. Then you got 18 rushes so far through the entire game. Check this out. 18 rushes, 68 yards, one touchdown is what we had on the ground. 68 yards. So we only rushed the ball for, what, 40 yards, basically 40 yards more for the rest of the game, the whole second half. So we're not running the ball very effectively uh, in this game. And there were many a time where I I, I I can remember myself looking at the TV going, why, why are we running the ball again? We've got to find a way to get play action or something to start working, and it wasn't. It wasn't working at the time. Uh, this is the big number I want you guys to pay attention to. Brock Bowers in the first half had two catches for nine yards. That was it. Two catches for nine yards. That's Brock Bowers' numbers in the first half. Going to blow your mind with that here in just a minute. In the first half, had two sacks, two or four, excuse me, tackles for loss in it. Eight first downs for Georgia to nine for Auburn. This was another big one. We did not stop Auburn from running the ball at all in this game. 145 total yards, 173 yards uh, for Auburn in the first half total, but they rushed for 145 of those yards in the first half. So 30-something yards of their their production on offense came through the air. All of the rest of it came on the ground. Some of that is because they were very smart. They had Peyton Thorne in to begin. He had a pretty good start. Then they put Robbie Ashford in, and all of a sudden Georgia decided, all right, we don't know how to defend a running quarterback again. And that's a scary thing when you think about it because of how many teams that Georgia could face in the future that are going to have a running quarterback. Now, Kentucky, maybe not, but Kentucky's got a great running back. And I think some of that, looking at it, thinking about it, okay, our edge rushers, this was probably the biggest part of this. When you have a running quarterback, instead of them being able to just rush in and say, all right, I'm, I'm locking down on the running back, they have to stop for a split second and decide, all right, running back, quarterback, who are we going for? And if you go for the running back, then the quarterback's got a, a wide open lane to run for a while. If you go for the quarterback, well, then the running back's going to run wide open through the middle for a while. And that's what ended up slowing us down a lot in this game. And we really hadn't had to deal with that too much so far through the season. Spencer Rattler was one of those guys, but he really wasn't running the rock on us like Auburn did in this game. I don't think a lot of that was anticipated. I know coming into this game, I heard Hugh Freeze talking about he he's taken over the reins as far as the offensive controls over the coordinator there, so he did most of the play calling for him. Maybe that's what Auburn needed in this, and that was the lightning in the bottle for him, being able to run on Georgia's defense, something that we really haven't had happen to us in the past. You know, Georgia's defense, especially rush defense, has been one of the best in the country for years, uh, and this was a bit of a surprise to see Auburn be able to run as well as they did against us in this game. Again, 145 of those yards come through or on the ground uh, for Auburn in this entire game, and through the whole half, Georgia had only had a total of 145 yards, so we equaled that. Kind of odd. 
Georgia total yards first half, 145. Auburn's rushing yards in the first half, 145. So weren't doing very good at that. Time of possession, not too far different. Three minutes was the difference. Auburn had the ball about three minutes longer. But by the end of the game, this was the difference in it here. Carson Beck ends up 22 for 23. Let's see if I can get this pulled up on the, on the screen for you guys watching on YouTube. By the end of the game, though, Carson Beck 23 for 33, or excuse me, 313 total yards. That's almost 70% at nine and a half yards per attempt, which was really good. Had a touchdown and an interception by the end of it. We end up rushing 107 total yards, two touchdowns. Dejon led the charge there, 76 yards rushing. Uh, two touchdowns both of the touchdowns on the ground came from him he continues to look good again i'm glad to have him back and the biggest part for dejon is he does what you need a running back to do and, and even kirby has told you this it's make the first man miss if you can get past that first man and get deeper in the field and you have more blockers show up for you you're going to be successful but if you can make that first man miss and you've got open field in front of you run and, and dejon does a very very good job at that uh brock bowers though what did we talk about first half two catches nine yards by the end of this football game, Brock Bowers had eight catches, okay, so six more for the rest of the game, 157 yards, one touchdown. And that touchdown came at the very end. That was the leading touchdown. To put Georgia in the lead, that would put the game away uh, in the end. But he had 121 yards. This number may be wrong. I'm trying to remember if that was exactly right. He had 121 yards in the fourth quarter alone in, in multiple drives for Georgia to not only drive down a tie, but also drive down and score to take the leading touchdown that he had his sole touchdown on the night 157 total yards to go from the simple nine yards in the first half to almost 150 total yards in the second half and almost all of that coming in the fourth quarter was huge he blew up the main guy that you needed on the field in that right there was Brock Bowers and and Carson Beck got very very comfortable with him and I mean it was pass after pass after pass Auburn did not have the answer for him and if they did they couldn't find it I don't know what it was that, that Brock was able to do other than being Brock. But, I mean, he he lit his Heisman candidacy up, in my opinion. I, I know I've seen some other people say the same thing, that, hey, you know, Bowers for Heisman because that was a Heisman-like, I mean, performance. For, I mean, the, the fourth quarter was just unreal because every time we passed the ball, it was like, all right, it's going to Brock. And he would catch it, and he's got 20 yards, like every clip, every clip that he's catching it. Uh, so that was huge. Uh, but not only him, Marcus Roseman, Jack Saint, two catches, 44 yards. Ladd had those four for 38 like we talked about earlier. And then Oscar Delp, like we said, coming into that second half, having the fumble really put Georgia behind again. Uh, Auburn ends up scoring off of that, making it a 17-10 to 10 game, and then we have to fight back from it. Uh, on defense, Smile Munden had a big game, 11 tackles, seven of those solo, one sack, two tackles for loss. Tyke also had a sack. In the game, we ended up with six tackles for loss. Three of those were sacks. Malachi Stark ends the game with an interception in this as well. But one thing that not many people are talking about that to me ended up being really important in this game, and if you wipe these away, Georgia still wins by one, but I think the momentum is what is the difference in this. And that's Peyton Woodring, the, the freshman kicker for Georgia, goes two for two with a long of 38 in this game. In weeks past, you know, I think he's – I don't remember exactly what the number is, so I'm not even going to say it, but he's missed a couple of field goals that were either – considered by us at least as fans and and media members to be chip shots he's missed a couple of them and shots that we in the past with our kickers have expected us to make have not been made so him coming into this game and being perfect he only had to kick it twice but he did both times he put it through the uprights and that's what we needed uh, to get nine points total out of him between the three touchdowns that we had putting the extra points in but also having those two uh, 
clutch field goals. Again, that's six points off the board. Georgia still wins it by one. But, again, the momentum changes if he's not making those field goals because I think we even know the same thing. When Georgia drives down the field and you have a drive that is stalled and all of a sudden we have to kick a field goal and you miss it, it's like it takes all of the air out of you. It's like, man – if we could have just got some something out of that to feel like we did something instead of getting down there and it's just, all right, nothing. We come up empty-handed. So big shout-out to him. Again, he's turning things around. We talked about this a little bit last week is we've got to have better kicking out of it, and we knew that eventually it's going to start to come along. But you can practice kicking all day. But until you get in the game and that atmosphere, especially that atmosphere that we played against in this game in Auburn, you don't really know what's going to happen. So credit to him for turning things around. And then in the end on third down conversions, Georgia ends up 8 for 13. So pretty much keeping on pace with that earlier number. And Auburn only 2 for 12 on third down. So Georgia did their job getting Auburn off of the field on third downs. Uh, and Georgia was fairly efficient offensively being able to turn, keep the play alive, keep the drive alive, and move on. Auburn goes for it on fourth down three times, only gets it one time. So the final yardage as far as the team stats go here, Georgia had 19 first downs to Auburn 17. Georgia 420 total yards, giving up 307 on defense. 88 of those yards come up through the air for Georgia, but Georgia passing 313. That was defensively. We gave up 88 yards uh, to Auburn. And then rushing the ball, Georgia rushed it for 107, but we gave Auburn 219 yards on the ground. That's definitely got to clean up by next week. The time of possession ends up almost equal, 29-51 for Georgia, 30-09 uh, for Auburn, again, holding on to the ball there for the last couple of minutes. Georgia's two turnovers to Auburn's one. That's a big one. That's a big one because that that, la- that only turnover that Auburn had was the end of the game. It was turning it over, the, the interception by Malachi Starks, which was huge, like I said, off the top of this thing. Uh, but you have to, have to, have to clean that up, have to clean it up moving forward because – it's a good thing we got out of that game having the two turnovers we did at the time that we did and and weren't losing that game nearing the end to where you can make an interception yourself and put the game away. Uh, we're really lucky, especially in that atmosphere, to be able to do that. And credit out to Auburn's fans because, because that atmosphere was loud uh, and they stayed there the entire time. Um, and they did what they needed to do. And this is where I want to give a little bit of, of, of praise to Carson Beck here. Uh, it's Carson, you know, there's there's been some flack about him and i get it you know the first half's slow starts that we've been talking about i cannot pinpoint yet if it's just we're not getting the possessions in comparison i can't pinpoint if if defensively we're just giving up a lot more because when i look at third downs we're getting off the field we're, do, we're doing what we need to do as far as that goes but you know are they driving before that to where third downs aren't really an issue because they're driving down the field on first and second down uh or having explosive plays which they had a couple of they had a couple of really big runs they had a Really, I don't think of – there weren't really any big passes. It was mainly big runs either by quarterback or running back because of that that effectiveness of being able to do one or the other. But Carson Beck, is, he, he really, by the end of this game, was kind of coming into his own. And I think every week we've kind of had that, that feeling and that conversation of, man, is Carson going to be okay? But by the end of the game, it's like, you know, he's he's figuring it out. You know, he's, he's getting comfortable with the offense. And, again, in the – environment that he played in this was his first true road test as a starting quarterback for the university of georgia he did great again ends up 313 yards almost 70 percent has the one blemish on the night but has a touchdown i think he was doing okay again especially to average that almost 10 yards uh pass as well but another thing to look at the sec rankings right now carson beck is in second place in the sec right behind Jaden daniels and this is a lot of this is considered 
I think based on passing yardage, he's right at 1,500. Nobody has more yards than him but Jaden Daniels. Jackson Dart's not far behind him. But percentage-wise, he's at 72%. Jaden Daniels is just above him at 73. You got a couple other guys, Brady Cook, Spencer, uh, Spencer Rattler that's up there, Graham Mertz. But these guys don't have the same yardage. Um, and interceptions, you know, he has a second of the year today. But for the most part, I think, uh, I think he was doing better than that uh, before again. The one that he had the week before, a couple of weeks ago, is, is a tip ball, and it ends up getting intercepted. It kind of stinks that that one ends up counting against you, uh, but it does. But Georgia has also defensively gotten those same interceptions, so I think we can kind of tone it down a little bit uh, there on Carson Beck. I think he's going to be fine. We're just we just got to give him time to kind of get into kind of get into his groove again this is the first true road test on the season so we needed to be able to see what can he do in a loud environment luckily it's a daytime but this game i think is going to define a lot of things last year i think the missouri game defined the team you know when you're not facing adversity and you have to face it what do you do what do you do do you lay down and you take it and you lose or do you stand up find a way to fight and win the game champions find a way to win that's what georgia did a couple of weeks ago against south carolina and Georgia goes on the road and does that to Auburn this this week. Wasn't pretty. Again, you want to win this game, thirty-eight to, to ten, whatever we put the prescription or the uh, prescription, whatever we put the prediction up to. But it's it, it, it's all right. They got the job done. You have to find a way to win. They're doing that. Kirby has seemed extremely, extremely calm through all of it. He's he's not really fussing too much. You know, you could kind of tell yesterday he was like, all right. I better start picking it up or you're going to lose this game. And I think in the end, again, we did that, which was good to see. Uh, but it's still some things that we – some things we got to clean up. But I think that's all just part of football. Let's kind of get and look at, at the keys of the game and what we were going to th- – what we were thinking, at least at the time, that it was going to take to win this game. This was it. Run the ball offensively. Didn't really do that as effectively as I wanted. I think we did it just enough, to, especially in the fourth quarter, to be able to open up the pass. I would be curious to actually see how many times did Georgia actually run the ball in the fourth quarter because it seemed like 90% of the time it was a pass, and 98% of those passes went to Brock Bowers. Uh, so running the ball, meh, not so much. Communication, I mean, it was okay. I think this is another part. This is a part and the reason I put this in the keys Kirby talked about this beforehand, you know, it's kind of simplifying the game plan, simplifying the playbook because communication is going to become difficult in a loud atmosphere like this. So you take some plays off, you make things simple, you don't have these reads, this check, these checks. Later into the game, you could tell Carson had a few of those, but the checks and reads that he was making he communicated with his offensive line. He's not really communicating with the guys on the outside and the wideout spots. Part of that I think is because it depends on who's close to you who can hear you, who can relay that message. And that's really all you saw happen. So that could be part of the key, too, of why this game wasn't as high scoring as we thought and why Georgia wasn't really being as efficient either is because you didn't have the full playbook in here. And I know we've said, oh, yeah, open up the playbook. But, I mean, I'm serious in this, mainly thinking about Kirby talking about how you have to kind of not dumb things down, but you have to simplify things because of communication in a loud atmosphere. Uh, and maybe that took a few of the plays away that Georgia would have liked to be able to use in the event that they got in this situation and needed to take a bigger lead or, or, or needed a score in here. And I think that's where you get that communication comes when you get a timeout, when when it's a, a, a significant drive or a significant play and we have to have points or we have to have a first down. That's when those timeouts come in and you use them and you, fly, you find the play that you need uh, to win the game. And Georgia did that. So communication I think was pretty good, even though there wasn't terribly – 
much of it. And then perimeter blocking, uh, we did okay at this. We didn't really run the ball outside uh, nearly as much in this game. Most of the runs that I saw were all trying to kind of bust up the gut, and we really weren't going anywhere with it again. You end the game with like 107 yards rushing, so you're not doing anything terribly uh, terribly exciting on that on that side of things. So Then defensively is containing the quarterback and then the quarterback rush. These All three of these go together. Contain the quarterback, have the quarterback rush, and then elite secondary. So containing the quarterback, you know, at first we were doing okay, and then they started to kind of break loose. And then it's rushing the quarterback, attempting to keep them from breaking loose. And we did okay. I mean, we end up with three sacks in this one. A few, what I say, six tackles for loss, I think, is what we ended up on the night. So, Pretty good as far as that goes, but we got to do better at containing a quarterback when we play a quarterback who can run against us at the same time. And then the elite secondary, uh, we did okay. We've got some younger guys that are in there that are still learning. You know, I saw one play, I think Dalen Aver, it might have been the guy who was uh, defending on it, and it reminded me of Tyson Campbell, who back in the day, you know, he just – every time there was a pass his way and he's he's back there – Man, he never would turn around and find the ball. It was like it always hit him in the back of the head, and it's always a P.I. Every time a defensive pass interference is coming, um, and that's what he reminded me of. But then later in the game, he made up for it. He he did turn around. He did make a play on the ball, uh, and I think you saw that start to change a lot for this defense. So secondary did pretty good. We, we rushed the quarterback decently, and then containing the quarterback, yeah, I'd probably put that like a C. C plus maybe, um, so 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 on our keys to the game, not the greatest, but also not the worst. So what do we have? Score prediction on it was thirty eight thirteen. Didn't happen. I think we can all say that that wasn't the case in this game. Twenty seven to twenty, uh, being the final. Closing on this, wrapping up the preview or the review, excuse me, here before we jump to some of the other games around the country. Georgia's gonna be fine. We're gonna be fine. We're starting to settle in. This is not the same team as last year. And I, I, maybe this will be the last week that I say this. The team that was on the field yesterday in comparison to the team that was on the field a year ago today is not the same team. There are some guys that are on this team that were on that team last year, but it's not the same. You have a different quarterback. You have a different coordinator. You have a lot of different pieces and a lot of different moving parts to this team that were not on the field last year. So things are not always going to be exactly the same as they looked last year. But I really think what we should do is for the first half of a football game of Georgia is maybe just set our phones aside, turn our computers off, and just watch. And then third quarter, fourth quarter gets going, then let's kind of talk about it because the first half of this game, nobody is ever going to be impressed with what Georgia is doing as a Georgia fan base because we think that Georgia should be up 40 to nothing at the half. In every football game we play, and that's just not going to happen. It's not always going to happen. And you got a huge game coming up this weekend, and all I can say about it is we've got to figure out how to stop the run defensively right now. And something that Georgia, we haven't really had to say because Georgia does such a good job, but you have a team in, in Kentucky who we're about to talk about played Florida and ran all over them, a running back who had 200 yards in the first half alone by himself. you got to be able to stop that dude when he comes to your house next Saturday night. And I think Georgia, Georgia, they're going to find the way to do that because champions find a way to win. Uh, but we've got some things we've got to fix. But Georgia's going to be fine. Quit thinking that the team that was on the field last year is on the field this year. And I think you'll you'll really do yourself a favor there and instead of being, uh, being so concerned about what's going to happen every single week. Listen, I'm, I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. If Georgia loses the game this season, it's not the end of the season. 
You don't have to wrap it up for Georgia. That doesn't mean that everything's over. doesn't mean that, that Georgia can't do all that it wants to do this season. It's called a setback, and it's called you learn from it. You find a way to make things happen and make things work in the future. You face the adversity, and you come back. Georgia faced adversity against Auburn this week. They faced it two weeks ago against South Carolina. They found a way. They won the game. They move on. They're 5-0. Let's be happy about that instead of complaining about all of it. That's what I'm going to do anyway. So, Georgia's going to be fine. That's the closing remarks on that. Let's get into the talk of the other games around the country because we did have some other pretty big ones that happened. We've got some other big ones that are coming up as well. Washington beating Arizona 31-24. to Some of the ones going across the bottom of the screen. Texas taking down Kansas 40 to 14 huge one another really big one fs or excuse me lsu and old miss 55 to 49 lane kiffin finally getting a big win at the house tennessee south carolina thought that one might be a little bit closer tennessee runs away with it in the end 41 to 20 prayers out to brew mccoy man that was brutal uh and then florida and kentucky i may have just said that but kentucky 33 to 14 nope that's what i was going to talk about here in just a second kentucky taking down 22nd ranked overrated florida 33 to 14 running all over at one point this game was a lot worse than that florida made it look a little bit better uh, in the end but kentucky like i said their running back ray davis dude had like 200 yards in the first half by himself against him and pretty much every touchdown was his he single-handedly took that game over for kentucky and absolutely boat raced florida so that's something georgia has to prepare for coming up this week i don't need to tell you that Kirby Smart knows what he's doing. He's going to prepare for that guy running up the middle and do everything he can to take the ball out of his hand and try to put it in Devin Leary's, which that means our secondary has to be prepared for that. Some of the other big games. USC, Colorado. USC took away from this game. They were, they were gone. The game was over. It was like, oh, here we go. Colorado getting boat raced again. And then here they come. The Buffaloes started to come back there at the end. If they had had some timeouts and didn't have to kick an onside kick at the end of this thing, might have been really, really tight. 48-41 to 41 ends up being the final. Notre Dame and Duke goes down to the wire. Notre Dame ends up winning this one 21-14. That was a top 25 matchup in, in undefeated Duke. And Notre Dame, who lost to Ohio State last week. Big game there, though. Alabama-Mississippi State. It was tighter earlier, but in the end, Alabama ends up pulling away from that one as well, 40-17 to over Mississippi State. Michigan throttling Nebraska, 45-7. to That's the first time they scored more than 37. It's only a touchdown more, but still. Penn State, 41-13 to over Northwestern. Oklahoma, 50-20 to over Iowa State. Oregon looks really good this year, 42-6 to over Stanford. We talked about Tennessee and South Carolina. Texas looks really good. Again, top 25 matchup, number three, Texas 40 over number 24, Kansas 14. Missouri beating Vandy 38-24 to remain undefeated. All of a sudden, the only undefeated teams in the SEC are still Georgia, Kentucky, and Missouri, and all three of which are 5-0, all three of which will play each other this year. Number 20 on the AP poll right now is where Kentucky is, and that's, that's the matchup you get this weekend in Athens. A&M beats Arkansas 34-22. Baylor over UCF by one, 36-35. So that's some of the other bigger ones that went on this weekend. A couple of fun games. Big ones coming up this weekend that we're going to look at as well. Obviously, number 20, Kentucky coming to Georgia like we just talked about there. LSU and Missouri. So can Missouri remain undefeated or will they fall? Again, LSU fell to Ole Miss. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, finally getting the job done there in a big game. We wondered last week if he could finally get – or if he would ever win a big game. 
we're going to see what LSU is made of throughout the rest of this season. But the good thing for Missouri, that's at their house. That's at their house. It's a lunchtime kick, but LSU-Missouri, that could be a big one there. LSU taking their second loss. They fall down to like 24th, I think. Uh, Maryland and Ohio State, don't really expect that to be much. This will be a big one, though. You get that Red River rivalry or the Red River shootout, whatever they want to call it now. Number 14, Oklahoma at number three, Texas at lunchtime. That's going to be a big one. Uh, Washington State at UCLA, Syracuse and North Carolina. Clemson did beat Syracuse this weekend, so that was a big one because Syracuse was undefeated. May matter, may not. Alabama travels to Texas A&M at 3 o'clock. You can never sleep on this one because somehow Texas A&M finds a way to get it done a lot of times. Virginia Tech at Florida State. UCF and Kansas. Vandy at Florida. Hey, Vandy won last year. You never know. But it is at the Swamp. 4 o'clock. What a strange kick. Notre Dame at Louisville. Arkansas at Ole Miss. Never know. That was a big game last week that came down – or last year, excuse me, that came down to the final play. Michigan at Minnesota. Fresno State at Wyoming. Oregon State at Cal. Arizona at USC. So we got some big games that are coming up this weekend as well. And I will at least put up my top five because it did change for me. I moved some things around. After Texas beat Kansas this past week, I give them the top-ranked spot. Um, And some of this I rate off of, yes, did Georgia win? Absolutely. Did Georgia find a way to win? Are they uh, do champions do that? Yes, I have so many people that tell me, yeah, but they're back to back national championship. You're right, but you cannot take what happened last year and put it on the field for what's happening this year. Right now, Georgia has showed a little bit of a, a little bit of blemishes in that armor, some chinks in the armor, in in some of these games that they're playing. Does it mean that they're not the number one team in the country? No, and and the AP voters still keep them there. The coaches' polls still keeps them there. Um, and there's a reason for that. I could very well still keep them there as well and say until they lose, they are number one. And more than likely, that's what's going to happen. But after the way that, that Auburn played last week, and, and now they completely flipped the script and turned things around this week, uh, and Georgia continues to turn the ball over. If Georgia doesn't turn the ball over as many times as they do over the past two weeks, both of these games probably look a lot different. Georgia probably does win it like 38-10 to 10 and cover the spread, uh, which we'll talk about that in just a second. But – but regardless, Texas, after beating Alabama, after beating, you know, wasn't that great against Baylor, but after beating another top 25 team this week, I give them the nod for the first place uh, spot. Take the take the heat off Georgia a little bit. Let's see if they can't take that and use it as motivation. I move them down to two. Michigan still at three. Uh, and, I could, you know, a lot of people would say, yeah, they should go above them too because Michigan's defense is doing really good. They're, they're good at giving up only a touchdown every game. And, and scoring 35. Uh, but but nonetheless, I still just kind of slide them down one with us because I'm waiting on them to have to play somebody who really matters. Uh, and then FSU neutral. I think Ohio State was neutral this week too. So they both kind of just slide down with us as well or, or really stay put. But that's, that was really the only change was I think Texas being in that one spot. Uh, and, again, maybe that's more of just motivation. I still think Georgia's number one team in the country. But as far as my top five goes – that's kind of my reasoning behind it is just because uh, Texas has played some pretty big games so far, and they've showed up and they've done their job, especially the way that they handled Kansas uh, this week. Let's see if that can continue when they play uh, Oklahoma this weekend, though, because that's going to be a big game. And Georgia's got a big one on tap, too. Kentucky, two undefeated teams coming together in this matchup. I think they're, I think Oklahoma's undefeated, too. So you got two big undefeated matchups going up over there and two teams that will be in the SEC next year as well. So – that's kind of some funny things, uh, some fun fun matchups anyway, 
Um, and then one of the other things I wanted to talk about before we get to the, the weekly picks and, and review those was uh, Georgia has opened against Kentucky as like a 17-point favorite. We went on the road to Auburn as 14 to 14 and a half point favorites and we didn't cover that but they open at home against an undefeated 5 and 0 20th ranked Kentucky team by 17 so I don't know somehow Vegas seems to get it pretty close with some of them but I don't necessarily do the same thing. As we look at my weekly picks here, I did take Georgia over Auburn. Give me that win. Then I took LSU over Ole Miss. I thought even though that it was at Ole Miss, you know, Lane Kiffin hadn't proven it. He hadn't showed up. And, of course, he would prove it the week after it when I decided to pick against him. So I took LSU minus that two and a half, figured they could win it by at least a field goal. There for a while, it looked like they were going to, and Ole Miss late in the fourth quarter drives down and takes the lead and ends up winning that one. So, boom, I go from 1-0 to 1-2. And then South Carolina, Tennessee, again, same thing. South Carolina looked really good in the first half of this one. Actually had the lead uh, for a little while. Tennessee comes back, but it's kind of back and forth, a little bit close there. Then Tennessee starts to pull away, and I'm like, okay, they can pull away, but just keep it within 12 and a half. Well, that didn't. 40-21 ends up being the final. I did at least get the pick right with Tennessee, but South Carolina could not cover that 12 and a half point spread. So now I move to two and three on the week but then texas did beat kansas uh pretty handily in this one so i end up three and three on the week that'll move me to 17 16 uh and one on the year so not too bad i'd like to get a little bit better and stop having these 500 weeks but hey 500 or above is still a winning record so we'll take that uh in any regard As we get ready to wrap up here, I appreciate you guys being here yet again. I look forward to us getting to preview this Kentucky game that's coming up at the end of the week. It's going to be a big one. Luckily, it's at our house, and it's a night game. So I think Georgia, that raucous atmosphere, is going to matter a lot in this one. One thing I will give credit to Georgia's offense, we didn't have any penalties as far as false starts and everything go against Auburn in this one, unless there was one. But I don't really recall seeing any penalties uh, against Georgia because of crowd noise so that was kind of an exciting thing to see let's see if we can change that and make kentucky have to have to play their heart out and play the best football game they played all year when it comes up 7 30 on saturday but we'll talk about that more at the end of this week make sure you guys tune in wherever you guys listen on apple Podcasts, spotify iHeartRadio, wherever you guys listen make sure you give us that five star review if you're watching on youtube give us that thumbs up and make sure you subscribe to the channel i greatly appreciate you guys listening we'll check in with you guys later this week good dogs